From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 373. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, Amazon Music, and Details Pro. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. Big episode today. So much going Huge. on. Huge. Two mm. product reviews. Two in one show. You know, the September-October high season for Apple stuff, it's great, but it's also very busy, and there's lots, and we have to pack stuff in, and... You know, it can't all even fit. We were talking about this, I think, last night, and we were saying, "Oh, big, big, got a big show tomorrow." And and I, I realized like what we would also usually have around this time is the Apple Watch, which we don't yet. And I will right. say, just as not, I have been getting more excited about replacing my Apple Watch. Hmm. I don't. I, I think actually, Watch OS Eight has been one of these things. I really like that the buttons are bigger, just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like touch targets are larger in Watch OS Eight, which I like. Yep. But that also makes me think, oh, a slightly bigger screen would probably be good too. Mm-hmm. That's Imagine. what I get you. That is. We have a hashtag Snell Talk question that comes from Marley's who asks, do you enable low power mode when your phone warns you that it's at 20% or do you like to live dangerously? Well, I need to stipulate that I don't actually go places and do things anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I remember, oh, low power mode. I remember low power mode. Oh, that's when you're out somewhere for a long time. Uh, I would absolutely turn it on at 20% unless I knew I was literally just being lazy and not walking over and plugging my phone in, which sometimes is the case, right? It's like, no, I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to run it all the way down because I'll just plug it in when I'm done doing what I'm doing. But if you're out and about and you get that warning, I absolutely turn it on. And in fact, I have, um, over the course of the existence of low power mode, a bunch of times I've looked at my watch and, or my uh, phone and seen it at like 50% and, and thought, oh boy, I'm in trouble and I will enable low power mode preemptively before I hit 20%. Yeah. Because I realize I'm going to be out for a while and this is going to be a marathon and I'm in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> and like I if I was I traveling yeah. somewhere, I will always put, I'll just put low power mode on as I'm leaving. Like it's like it goes on, you know, uh, which is actually thinking about that focus mode stuff. I'd probably, because I've started working on my travel focus mode, just getting it ready for when that happens. And maybe I could set up a shortcuts automation that whenever that one is enabled, low power mode gets turned on immediately, you know, which could be kind of mm-hmm. cool. I like that. But I, I pretty much always turn it on when, when a device warns me, including my iPad now. My iPad now will say, hey, low power mode, which is nice. I'm happy they added that finally. If you'd like to send in a question to help us answer open uh, answer to open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the RelayFM members Discord. For the final time this year, we would like to tell you about the work of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We Believe it or not, Jason, this is the final episode of September. Yeah, uh, well, that's okay because it keeps going. I'm glad, like, I, I don't need more weeks. Can you imagine if September was longer? It's, it's fine the way it is. 30 <laughs> yeah. days is plenty. This is enough September. It's enough. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and so we are supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is finding cures and saving children. Because for almost 60 years, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital has been on the front lines of research, care, and treatment of childhood cancer. Treatments invented at St. Jude have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since they opened. But with one in five children not surviving, St. Jude will not stop until no child dies from cancer. 
but they need our support. This September, the Relay FM community has come together to raise over half a million dollars for the Kids of St. Jude. We're currently at $564,000 while we're recording this, which is a truly unbelievable astronomical number. You can be a part of our best year ever by making a donation at stjude.org slash relay. And if you donate a single gift of $100 or more, you'll receive an exclusive Relay FM sticker of thanks pack at the end of the campaign. Don't forget, if your company matches donations, please send us an email at stephen at relay.fm and we can uh, we can double your donation in some cases. So go to stjude.org slash relay and you can uh, give today and support the work of St. Jude and let's cure childhood cancer together. It's been an incredible month. As we're recording, what's the uh, what's the current number? Five hundred and sixty-four thousand. Yeah. Is that it? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I'm setting a new goal. By the end of this month, uh, Relay needs to reach a million dollars. Why so would you go, do everybody that, go out there and donate? <laughs> this is the Snell goal. Yeah. Yeah. Only four days left to go, or whatever. Three days left to go. It's totally doable. People just need to go donate uh, before. Let's get that number as high as we can. How about that? By the end of the month, because remember. It, the higher we set the bar this month, if you haven't donated yet, if you decided to wait till the end, the higher we set that bar this month, the higher the bar will be next year for Mike and Steven. Only if we meet it, more Jason. ridiculous things. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No? If, it's, if you finish at 560, uh-huh. everybody's going to remember 560 and you're going to no, have to I'm go above 560. No, I'm just talking about your million that you've decided to Oh, my million go well. You know, nobody's. I was just trying to be aspirational there, but yeah. my point is, if we get him, if we get him to six hundred thousand, it's going to be like, oh man, we got to beat whatever number it is. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to beat it next year, and that means that I, I don't know what strange things they're going to do. Mike and Stephen are going to do to each other. What stickers are going to have to go where? Uh, what clothing they're going to have to wear? What devices they're going to have to use? But it's only going to get better or worse, depending on whether you're them or not. So just keep lifting I up that number. Lift it up. Hundreds of more Lift stickers up, arriving this week because I, we, I ran out. Uh huh. And then I have to go back to finding somewhere to stick them on this desk. I think I'm going to start with the legs. So that's still got that going for me. Yeah. How long do they have to stay on? Oh, I'm keeping them on. They're not coming off. <laughs> okay. That's, that's terrible. It's staying on. <laughs> everything, right. everything, this whole desk, I'm keeping it. Mm. I'm actually going to, I'm planning on clear coat in the desk. Oh, uh, well, that, that would be better. Yeah. At least. But the, the stickers, the Stephen Face stickers, they're staying on this desk forever. That's kind of like part of the pain of it all, really. So thank you, St. Jude.org slash Relay. Uh, Follow-up follow up that probably nobody cares about but me, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, I have decided to give the shared with you for photos another try because something's broken about this feature. Jason tells me this, that it's the, 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 what I'm having, which is uh, I get these images that show up in my photos library that, um, are for, that are sent to me mostly. I think it's pretty much just stuff that Adina sends me while we're not together. So, like, she's at home, I'm maybe at the studio or somewhere else, she sends me an image of something at home, and then it shows up in my photos library. And Jason tells me this should not be happening. So, I am going to keep this feature on to see if it gets fixed. Yeah, we're going to monitor this. I do wonder if it knows where your home is, and since those photos are from your home, it is... uh fudging it's like well mike lives there and mike was there recently and so he probably was there now right i wonder if it's a little too fuzzy and it's encompassing your home maybe even though you weren't there the other thing that i thought is maybe because i would typically have a device at home but yeah also the photos you sent involved uh 
it was Adina and a friend and a dog. Yes. And I said that the other thing could possibly be that <laughs> Apple Photos thinks that you're the dog. Maybe that I'm the dog. I did check and it didn't do it. You know that feature you was talking about last week with like, where it's like, hey, this is a dog. Let's tell you what breed it is or whatever. Uh-huh. I have not seen that on any of my images. Like nothing. I, I do not. For me, this feature is non-existent. You're not missing anything. It's it's uh, it's, it's not, not great. The dog the dog breed part of it is is real dumb. Mm. <laughs> like it uh, the cat and the cats are even worse. The cat if you if you um have a picture of a cat and the tail is not visible like as often happens a cat has curled its tail around itself or is sitting on its tail it'll say oh this is one of the rare this is a manx it's a tailless cat like <laughs> no it's just a cat like what are you uh, doing machine learning is so stupid sometimes oh like, man so i bad. can't see a tail so there must not be one there's no other yeah. way that to identify this breed of cat so. it's a very rare tailless cat that you've got here or it's literally you just can't see the tail dumb computer that's incredible um oh, if you man. have yes if you have a pure purebred ish dog it will probably recognize the breed properly um, if you have a mutt, it will make hilarious guesses about the breed, and the answer is it's a mutt. So it's a little bit silly, but yes, if I search for boxer, I will find my dog and all the other boxers that I've taken pictures of. And Muhammad uh, Ali. But and yes, exactly right. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard will appear <laughs> in my photo library. <laughs> my extensive Sugar Ray Leonard photo collection. Yeah, you uh, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's very true. And whenever I see a, a billboard or a, a, a ESPN documentary about Sugar Ray Leonard, I'm like, oh, Sugar Ray Leonard. And I take a picture of it and add it to my 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 album, you know, the, my Leonard Spinks album, because also there are pictures of Leon Spinks in there. You did not know about my, my catalog of boxers? Is this including underwear? All right. So we have another- And dogs. <laughs> All in dogs. the same. It's a very confusing uh, album. <laughs> I want to read a great headline. Mostly just because I want to read the headline because the headline's so good. Tim Cook says employees who leak memos do not belong at Apple, according to a leak memo. This is very, <laughs> I just find it very fun. This is uh, uh, Zoe Schiffer uh, from The Verge wrote this. Uh, Schiffer's been one of the lead reporters on all of the like um, worker unrest at Apple over the last yep. uh, few months, mostly in regarding to the, to the work at home stuff. Basically, Apple had an all-hands meeting and information from the all-hands meeting got out and then they put out this memo and then that got out. Yeah. Uh, but with this memo though, I think this is a little bit of a an issue where I do see both sides of it. So one of the things that Tim talks about is he mentions product leaks and then also leaks of like internal communication. Now, the internal communication stuff, like uh, I have no issue with that stuff leaking out there, right? Because I think I actually encourage people to think out, like to speak out if the comp if they think the company's doing wrong, right? We spoke yeah. about it on the show in the past. But I do personally wish there were less product leaks. I think it's too much now. Sure. We know too much. I, I, I don't mind there I being agree. a little bit of stuff, but I would like to know less than we currently know. I, I think it's really funny that Tim Cook said that he would double down on product secrecy. And in fact, the, the leaks are worse than they've ever been. That's a good point. Right? Because like, they're leaking from all over the place this now. This is different from the, the, the kind of management memos and things, which, should, I mean, that's journalism 101, by the way, is if you get a, a memo leaked to you about uh stopping memos from leaking you publish that that's i mean you got to do it uh but but yeah i i agree on the other side of it that that but i the thing is i don't think it is primarily 
people at Apple who are leaking. There, there are leaks coming from Apple in Cupertino, but I really do believe that the bulk of the leaks we get are sourced from the supply chain mm-hmm. because Apple is using contractors and has less control over the supply chain. And we see so many things that leak from the supply chain. That said, I think Mark, Mark Gurman gets people from Cupertino and I don't know who yeah, those people are. because it comes so early. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the people that, you know, when he was talking about the potential new Mac Pro, right, which we may see, are so early in the yeah. in the yeah. process. Or that 16-inch MacBook Pro when that came out or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's much further along. I just, I don't know if Tim Cook is conflating these issues or or not, and if it's effective or not, because I don't think the message saying, look, don't say anything is as effective right like because because some of these leaks matter more than others in a way and i I would think that the product leaks should be what concerns him um there has been some theory by the way you you and i didn't really talk about it that some of the things that were wrong last week might have been an indication of apple trying to um determine who is leaking and i don't think apple necessarily was leaking false information but i do sometimes get suspicious when things that sound like they should be uh you know legitimate reports and then are completely wrong um it it does make you wonder sometimes more likely that it's something that got delayed or changed uh, and was true at the time but i I do wonder sometimes if if that's part of apple's strategy that would give them still though the roundabout way of that solution so if something was true but didn't get released then there could only have been a small even smaller team that would know about it because of the way that apple disclosed things internally the counter argument would be that uh, maybe some of the reasons apple has the um the issues it has with product releases where there are bugs or where there are things that don't seem to make a lot of sense is because apple silos too many parts of apple yep uh, off and means that other parts of Apple don't know what's going on mm-hmm. until announcement or release, mm-hmm. and they aren't they aren't prepared for it. I think both of the products we're going to talk about today have these exact issues. Yeah, where the left hand doesn't seem to know what the right hand is doing, and I think literally the left hand was in a silo and mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and uh, was unable to communicate to the right hand about what it was doing. I don't know. How does that new MagSafe wallet work, Jason? Oh yeah, I wrote about this really quickly. It's it's something that's easy to misunderstand, um, and so I thought I'd at least mention it. So there's a second. <laughs> the way I wrote about it is iPhone leather wallet second generation. It's like how how could that be? <laughs> but it is. It's actually a different piece of hardware because it has a, a an NFC chip, and I think the old Apple Wallet MagSafe wallet had an NFC chip, but I think that it just was there to identify the color. Essentially, it's the same as all the cases, right? All the cases right. have something in them where they can communicate the color. And I remember at the time Apple said, like, and other pieces of information, but nothing else did anything. Right. So what's new in the second generation MagSafe leather wallet is that it has an NFC chip with a unique identifier per wallet. And that's important because that's how this new feature works. The idea is your wallet becomes detached from your phone and find my basically logs where the detachment happened. Now Mm -hmm. that they could have done before. And I'm a little bit baffled about why they didn't do this before because the phone knows when the MagSafe item has been detached. 
so I don't entirely understand. My my best guess is that they that they may have even wanted to do this feature last year and it didn't work well enough and so they just didn't do it and they re-engineered yeah. the wallet and they did a new version of the wallet. So this new one, when it detaches, it's like AirPods, right? AirPods don't have a Find My transmitter in them, uh, like an AirTag, but what they do is they log the the phone logs the last time it saw your AirPods. And where that was. But at least they have Bluetooth, so you can get some way of finding them when you're right, close. Right. So the wallet doesn't have any of that. All it has no. is a little NFC tag. The NFC tag cannot be used for, for find my ranging. It, do, it doesn't work. It's got to be right next to it to do that. But what it does, so what it's doing is it's logging when the wallet detaches. So if you take your wallet off and leave it somewhere and then are like, where did I put my wallet? Your phone knows where you, at least where you took it off. And if the wallet hasn't okay. been moved from that location. So it logs the location. Yes, where it detaches. Because right, I was going to say, if all it does is like, hey, the wallet's not here anymore. It's like, yeah, yeah. the, the no. phone tells me. <laughs> find my, find okay. my logs the location. Right, Optionally, okay. it will actually when you detach, it can optionally send you an alert that says your wallet detached. If you find that useful, you can turn that on. And then the reason the NFC chip with the unique number is relevant is that optionally, again, you can choose this. Optionally, you can choose to have your phone number that's associated with your Apple ID appear on someone else's phone if they find your wallet and attach it. So this is is like, well, what if my wallet falls off in, in public? How do people know that it's mine? And the answer is if you've got if somebody finds it who's got an iPhone with MagSafe, they could actually put it on their phone and it'll say this is the phone number of the person who have who owns this wallet. Which is a very it's kind of esoteric, but like that's very Apple thinking of like, well, of course everybody's gonna have an iPhone with MagSafe mm-hmm. and they're gonna be able to do this. Um so anyway, it, but it is a feature you can turn on uh, to share essentially to share your phone number with whoever finds that MagSafe wallet with that particular ID. Um, It's like a disclosure thing. It's using iCloud to do that. You're allowing some random person to see your phone number if you choose to show it and they've got, they've got your wallet. Uh, They'll, and they can call you and say, I've got your wallet. Uh, Give me $50,000 and I'll give it back to you. Or they could just give it back to you. One of those. Um, (laughs) And and also it works with uh, um, all the MagSafe iPhones. It's not a iPhone 13 feature. It works with all of them. I put Mm -hmm. it on my iPhone 12 mini work just fine. It pairs. Um, You choose what you want to share and how you want it to alert you. and, And that's it. So it's not, what it's not is an AirTag because Apple, I, I you know Apple has not miniaturized AirTag technology. Like this wallet only fits three cards in it. All right, it's too small for actual AirTag technology to be in it. Maybe one day, but what they are doing is trying to get it to be kind of like smart enough. Now I've I've seen people on Twitter respond and say this is useless, uh, and I don't really understand that because. It's useless if somebody picks up your wallet and runs away with it. That's true. It's not an AirTag. But it's not useless for what I would think is the most common way anybody loses anything, which is they don't remember where they had it last, whether it fell off or whether they took it off. And that's what this is for. This is literally the, uh, I lost it. Well, where, where did you last see it? And now you can ask your iPhone, where did you last see the wallet? And they're like, oh, over there. And you're like, oh, that's where it is, right? That's, that's what this feature is for. Uh, Matt Van Ormer, who's one of the very awesome uh, moderators of, the, of our members' Discord, made a good point. Uh, he wrote about the the wallet too. 
that the, the, the Find My has a thing for item left behind, which is a, a new feature. So if you like leave your iPad somewhere, um, it it can notify you if you leave it. Mm-hmm. And he was saying he, basically he would like some of that to be extended to this, so that the wallet didn't notify him about being just dis- disconnected when he's at home. Which I think is a yeah, very right good now, point. You literally you disconnect the wallet. And then like a minute later, it says wallet was disconnected when what you really want is to look at location. And then I leave the place where the wallet is mm-hmm. and have the option of being warned. Then, you know, you're leaving without your wallet. Uh, but that's not in there right now. Or even just don't alert me when I'm here, which is something that yes. you can do with the devices stuff. So you can say like you can list some locations. So I have for mine, like my home and my studio, because like, for example, if I left my studio to go get a coffee, I would get like four notifications of all of the things that are mine that I have walked away from. So I like that. I'm very happy you can have multiple locations on that thing. But if you take the wallet off, then it alerts you. I don't I really don't know why they needed a t- why this wouldn't work with the first one. If the phone knows that a wallet's connected, it will also know when the wallet has been disconnected. Yes. I feel like this is one of those things where Apple may have overthought it and like, oh, but there has to be an individual ta- like connection of a number between yeah, the, you well, know what I mean? Like, like I a- said, I, it may be simpler than that. It may be that the that they fancied this as a feature for, for the wallet last year and they and it didn't work reliably and they're like well just ship it and we won't worry about it yeah. because you're right i i don't understand why the old wallet couldn't do this because it does know it does know when you connect it and presumably then when you disconnect it and yet that old wallet doesn't have this functionality and i don't think it's because apple got so precious that they're like well no it needs a unique id because we need to have a finding strategy here that involves somebody else it's like okay i mean that's nice but i i spent the last year with the first gen wallet and it would be would have been nice to have this feature for the last year and i don't understand like even if it didn't have this extra feature of having a unique id but i i don't know i don't know this episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Amazon Music. Because you're listening to the show, I will guess that you like podcasts. Right? You must love podcasts because you're listening to this one. Well, you can find tons of binge-worthy podcasts on Amazon Music, including this show, too. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcasts for you to listen to. Tons of episodes. All those 10 million episodes right there for you. But Amazon Music isn't just about listening to podcasts. Obviously, they have thousands of music stations and top playlists for you to stream for free. And no matter what you're listening to, you can go hands-free with Alexa. And if you're like me and want your music on demand and ad-free, you have to try Amazon Music Unlimited as well because it will give you unlimited access to over 75 million songs as well as podcasts, music videos, and more. And with Amazon Music Unlimited, you can listen to any song anywhere offline with unlimited skips. What I love about podcasts myself is that as my listening habits change, the type of content that I'm looking for change depending on how I'm feeling, what mood I'm in, is always something new. Whether I want to listen to something about tech, politics, news, comedy, or even a bunch of friends playing Dungeons and Dragons together, I can get it with my podcasts. I also love listening to podcasts wherever I want to be. So having an app in my pocket opens the world to me for whatever I want to listen to and all my favorites, they are there in Amazon Music. If you've never tried Amazon Music Unlimited, now is a great time because for a limited time, new customers can try Amazon Music Unlimited free for 30 days. No credit card required. Just go to Amazon.com slash UpgradeFM 
That's Amazon.com slash UpgradeFM to try Amazon Music Unlimited free for 30 days. Go now to Amazon.com slash UpgradeFM. It renews automatically, but you can cancel at any time. Terms apply. Our thanks to Amazon Music for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's start by talking about the iPad Mini. You wrote a great review uh, on Six Colors. You had the iPad Mini in advance, right? So how long have you had yours for? Uh, I got it uh, the Wednesday, maybe, of announce week. So I, I've had it for more than more than a week now. Okay, and I got mine on Friday. So I've had mine for like four days or whatever. Um, I love it, man. I love it. It's just what I wanted. I love it. Mm. It's such a great little device. It's super... What do you think about the size and weight? How do you feel about it? I think it yeah I think it's really great. I think it is uh about as small as an iPad could probably be. Yes, it's on the it's on the edge, right? Like yeah. it really is. But having the new, you know, the the new modern design where it doesn't have the space for the home button uh opens it up and makes it that much more kind of pleasing. And uh, you can hold it in one hand, although you you know you can hold it in one hand, but you won't want to. And it's not one hand use. You can like hold it in one hand and then use your other hand to control it. You can't really, you know, just hold it's it not in one hand. It's not a one-handed device. Phone. It's not a phone. Yeah, it's not a phone. You can thumb type on it, which is kind of nice because it's mm-hmm. so small. Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's a really good size. It is. I, I think for people who are looking, obviously. Look, my review basically says, what doesn't it do? The whole purpose of it, like with the Mac Mini, honestly, is to fill all sorts of little niches that other devices don't fill. And so it is for kids. It is for people in cramped spaces. But it is also for like readers, uh, for people who want an iPad as a content consumption device, as a as a thing to read. Um, and the great thing about it as a reader is that it will run all your ebook apps. It will run uh, Twitter. It will run uh, your newspaper apps. It'll run an RSS reader, like whatever, and Safari. So whatever you want to read on it, you can read on it and in in this kind of compact size. So like it, it it's good at a lot of different things, but um, I think the reader thing is the one that... Uh, jumped out at me because I I've been hearing people talk about it and I used the last iPad mini as a reader for a little while, just as a trial. And I was really kind of unhappy with it, but this one I think is a much more pleasant experience than that one. I, I think something about this design and the feel of it and the size yeah. of it, like I, I think they got it right this time. Yeah. It's for me, it is perfect for what I want this type of iPad to be, um, which is like reading stuff, social media stuff, watching video at home, um, very like, kind of like light, very light work stuff, like communication, right? Maybe sending the occasional email, answering a Slack message, that kind of thing, because it's really nice to type on. You say you hold it in portrait, you can thumb type on it. And so it's basically like, it's basically like typing on a big phone, which really works. There isn't an, another iPad that is as comfortable to thumb type on as this one, because sure. even the 11 inch, it's, not comfortable to really type on that in portrait mode like it is on this iPad. Um, 
and it does feel like a little book, especially if you get one of the smart yeah. covers. Like it just feels like a little book. And I hold it, you know, like I would hold a phone, you know, like your pinky supporting it, and you, know, it, it, mm-hmm. you just hold it like a book and read on it like it's a book, and it's great. Yeah. I love love those smart covers. I I yeah, me too. I ended up with uh, an orange smart cover for it. That's the same as the one that I got from my twelve point nine inch iPad Pro, and that's a hilarious contrast. It's like a big big buddy big and little, little buddy. That's funny. yeah. It's because uh, they're the same same thing. But the smart cover, I really like the smart cover. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good accessory. And the one for the iPad mini now having that, it's uh, it's nice. I'd kind of forgotten about the smart cover, like the smart folio cover thing. Because I hadn't had one for a while, right? Because I'd just been purely in iPad Pro land and always used keyboards, whatever the keyboard version was. And I'd forgotten that the smart cover folio thing has the little fold it back into a triangle, pop, prop it up, you know, yep. like, and, and I was like, ah, oh, like I've forgotten about that. And I was super excited about it because I mean, like for watching videos. So like a good uh, use for the, of this device for me is I'm doing the dishes and I want to watch a video of some kind. It's like you just mm-hmm. put it on top of the bread bin, sits perfectly there. It is really great. Like this is like, I've been using my 11 inch iPad at home for the last little while like for ages and doing these kinds of things on it and this is so much better than that at this job all of the things that i want it for which is this mostly like consumption and the occasional thing you know you mentioned about size a minute ago about like it being on this kind of the smallest that an ipad could be i think ios 15 does show that in a bunch of places like it feels like it barely fits in places right like the dock is incredibly uh, small. So I migrated uh, my uh, an iCloud backup from my <laughs> iPad Pro to it oh, just no. for fun. <laughs> That's not a good idea. And then I turned it into into vertical orientation, <laughs> and the dock was like a, a series of very tiny dots that you yeah. could tap on, and maybe you would get the right. I ended up pulling a bunch of things out of the dock mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's uh, hilariously too small. Also, the layout is weird. Like, I, I railed about the iPad ipad os home screen last week about how it's not really good enough and that the changes they made are just kind of patching an existing thing that's not that good and hasn't been that good ever since the start but it's even worse on the ipad mini where there are these enormous margins on the left and the right when you're looking at it horizontally enormous like the margins are there on the other ipads but they're not as egregious it looks like you're only using like uh, I don't know, two thirds of the home screen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I don't get it. I I, I don't get it. I I don't understand how in iOS 15, especially knowing that this product is coming, and not rethinking how the home screen on an iPad works. Well, it's like they did, didn't they? But they did it wrong for I this device. I felt it with the iPad Pro, but <laughs> yeah. I really feel it with yeah. the Mini. Yeah, and. You know, it just it exacerbates all the feelings I already had about how the widget placement is weird and all of that. Because now on this, you've just got just space to the left and the right where there's nothing there. Um, and it is small. I mean, bottom line is you got to have pretty good near vision to use this thing because you can crank up the text size on it. But like it's it's everything is tiny because it is a higher resolution screen. So everything is very small. So, which is again why it's probably a device more for the young. But yeah, you can crank up the text size, and you will if you are over the age of forty. You probably will need to crank up the text size on it. I did because it's it's, it's tiny, it's, it's too small. I, I, yeah. I on all my devices, I actually have dynamic text set to the smallest, 
I had to bump it up on the iPad mini. Is mm-hmm. it's too small? Even Mike Hurley, small text Hurley. Even me, even small big it. small text boy over here. Uh, like you know, we were saying earlier about like we have referenced in the episode places where it feels like maybe t- Apple's teams aren't talking to each other. This does feel mm-hmm. like one of those because it does feel like that home the home screen. It's like wrong in a yeah. way that it, it doesn't feel wrong on the other iPads in the same way. Like we have said they could <laughs> be wrong. better. Yeah, but like <laughs> but like we all agree it could be better, but on the iPad mini it does feel like something's broken. It feels like it got shrunk in it, a way. Yeah, my first strange. reaction when I started it up was whoa, what is yeah. happening on the home screen? And yeah, it's there's mm-hmm. something something yeah. odd going on there. Uh, yeah. On that about the text size, I want to talk about the display. I feel like the display isn't as good as my 11-inch iPad in a way that I can't put my finger on, but it doesn't feel as good. Do you? If you come to that, I I don't know if I've compared it to that, but I mean I've accepted that it's not it's not the state of the art screen anymore, right? Because the iPad Pro is the state of the art screen. That's but like the... my 11-inch iPad hasn't got the mini LED, right? Yeah. Maybe oh you know what Davis said maybe promotion is one thing that could, could be, be but I feel like when I'm looking at it, it the colors don't look as good to me in a way but I don't know if this is like the, it's like a trick in my mind or something but like I feel like it's not as high quality as the 11 inch iPad Pro but when I look at the tech spec pages it seems to suggest it's the same stuff yeah. but I feel I like that the Air and the Mini probably don't get the best screens. That, I think that's you know? probably true. And so I it might be a case true. of just like, this isn't as high quality as the Pro one, even though they seem to suggest they have all the same features. Mm-hmm. You were very excited to order a purple one. I got Starlight. So, it, yeah. it, and, and Starlight, like literally I had to put it next to a silver iPad and then put take my glasses off and put my face down at the level of the two iPads in order to barely detect the extra yellow cast that makes it starlight instead of silver. But then I saw pictures online of everybody who got uh, that purple one like you and who are very excited to have a purple iPad. And I got to say, everybody had the same reaction, which is, this is purple. It's gray. Okay. In some light, it has a purple hue to it. But it's not purple like what I thought I was going to get. It was going to be purple like that iPhone is purple. Yeah. But the difference is, and I know why, like, the difference is that's glass with a color underneath. This is right. aluminium. And for yeah. some reason, Apple aren't or can't put the same level of color. But I feel like they do a good job with the iMac. Yeah, My no, iMac this- is really yellow. I don't understand quite what they did with the iPad mini, which feels to me like a fun product. And yet they have made it in boring colors. Like that purple should be far more vibrant. And we know they can make brighter purples because the backs of the iMacs have brighter purples. Mm. And the iPad mini strikes me as the device that you'd want to do that with. And instead, it seems really conservative. And, you know, I don't want to say boring because some people want something more muted and muted doesn't necessarily have to be boring. But like, I feel yeah, like but you wouldn't buy the purple one, would you? Right. Like if you wanted a muted color, when your color choices are imperceptible, unless you really work at it, they're not really 
good color choices are they? No. You know, you mentioned Starlight. So uh, I want to give a bit of follow-out. I do another show here on Relay FM called The Test Drivers with tech YouTuber Austin Evans. We interviewed Stephen Tonner and Tom Boga, friend of the show, from Apple sure. about the new iPad Mini. And I asked them to tell me what Starlight was. So if you want to hear what what they said, you can go check the episode out. It's episode right. 40 of The Test Drivers. I said, what is what is it? <laughs> what color yeah. is it? I, so. I The best answer I got from from somebody at apple was just what we've said before which is Mm -hmm. it's a it's silver but with a yellow more yellow undertone Mm -hmm. uh which is accurate but boy it's so so like they could have called it silver and everybody would have been like hey did you notice that apple silver is slightly yellower than it was (laughs) and people be like yeah i did notice that still silver though and and that would be the end of it (laughs) yeah i want uh, look uh, the folio i'm happy with my cherry folio which is actually purple um i'm very happy Uh with this uh, my uh, but the the I mean, now really the only part that I see is the rail around the outside, which is a little bit more purple than the back. So I guess right. I got that going for me. Mm-hmm. I want about Apple. Come on, like you did such a good job with the iMac. Like those colors are all so big and vibrant yeah. and bold. I wonder whether Apple, Apple's kind of weird approach to colors in these products, is actually an effect of. We can't blame everything on the pandemic, but I don't even want to choose the reason why. I just want to say, I wonder if it is an effect of these products all being kind of out of sequence from one another in the development process. Because there should be a head of color at Apple, of materials, who's in charge of the colors, who is your color czar at Apple, right? And they should they should have formulated a philosophy of what the colors are and how Apple's going to move. And you see it in some categories, right? At watch bands, smart folio cases. Like there are places where Apple's color philosophy, they come out with new colors and you're like, oh, great. This is great. Um, but w- with the iPad being so muted and the, and the iMac being so forward, like... I don't know what's going on here. Like, and they, and they, with the iPhone 13, they dropped the number of colors. Like they made that big deal about that purple phone and like purple phone's gone. Purple phone's gone. So what, what is happening and, and why you, we know you can anodize aluminum to be bright and cheery. And this is an iPad mini and it's not bright and cheery. Why, why is it that way? Um, but I do wonder if maybe the reason why is because this was a plan that was done a while ago, mm. <laughs> and they since then they did the iMac plan, and this one had to kind of proceed the way it was. I don't know. I don't understand it. I feel like their color story is all jumbled up. Well, these colors are close, like on the iPad, are close to the iPad Air, which they have colors, but they're also gray, right? Like Federico yes. got like a blue one, but it's a gray one. The same as yes. purple is actually gray with a little bit of purple on it. Yeah. And so you might be like, and then the iMacs are much more vivid. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the next ones. Um, Why wouldn't iPad not be vivid? That's the part that gets yeah, me. And know. again, maybe it's just because they're out of sync, but I don't understand why. I can maybe understand, look, I don't want the iPad Air or iPad Pro, which I like to be boring, but I think we've all accepted the fact that Apple thinks Pro means boring. So, okay, but the iPad Air and the iPad Mini are yeah. not 
bore, are not pro products. They should be fun. Mm-hmm. And the colors are like, we heard you. And while we're not willing to be fun, we will give you color. We'll give you the but name. But it'll be not fun. You can buy a purple iPad if you want. It'll say purple on the receipt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's purple on the box, which is the I color you understand. really want. Apple's reluctance to make their products fun. I really just don't understand it, especially now that we've seen the iMac, because the iMac is fun. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, we could argue, well, the back of the iMac is fun. The front of the iMac is muted, mm-hmm. but the back I mean, of the iMac is the fun. The front of my iMac is very yellow. Like, there's no, this isn't any other color other than yellow. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm looking at this orange, uh, orange iMac right now, yeah. and it's, it's... It's undeniable what color it is. It um, is, and yet, on other parts of their product line... That should be more fun. So now this actually gives me concern about the new MacBook Air because I've been hoping that the new MacBook Air would be in iMac colors. No, I think And it I'm will worried be. now that it's going to be in Starlight and it's going to be in, in purple that's not purple. No, I'm confident that it's going to be in full-on color. I think something's different. I don't know why between the Mac team and the iOS or iPad or iPhone team. I, I, I don't know faith. what's going on. I have faith. Colors are. Help us. Help us, Colors are. Please. This iPad mini has uh, buttons on it. One of the buttons is a Touch ID button. This is my first experience with the Touch ID button. Ah, uh, yes. I haven't tried out on the iPad Air. It's fine. Uh, I wish it was faster, and I miss Face ID. I, yeah, I think, I think the problem with Touch ID on the on the uh, power button is. If you're used to Face ID on your phone and you're used to Face ID on an iPad Pro, then it's just a different way of using it and you have to get used to it. I think if you don't have... Everything feels like more work. I I think if you don't have an iPad Pro, it's probably much, much easier to adapt to it. But yeah, I I am reminded when I use one of these devices, uh, whether it's a Mini or an Air, I'm constantly reminded of all of the ways that I've just assumed face id and 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 just skipped authentication as a thing i even think about on my mm-hmm. ipad pro mm-hmm. and now suddenly it's like oh right i gotta lay my finger down on that where's the button it's over here okay uh yeah and there it is oh i pressed the button now it went to sleep i can't do that i gotta just lay it there and hold and then it will open you know it's just it's it's very clever but if you're used to face id it's not it's not the same and it's uh yeah, it's 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 fine. It is what it is. They they didn't want to put the Face ID stack in these uh, lower cost devices. I get it. I do like that they put the rest to open thing in there. So like if oh, if sure. I tap yeah. the screen, I can then just put my finger on it and it will open up. Like I don't then yes. have to like swipe up to open the thing. Yes, that is very clever. It's a it's you don't have to make that additional gesture, the laying of your right because your face is always there, right? So mm-hmm. you need to do an affirmative thing to say yes, my face is here and I want to unlock. Whereas laying your finger on the button is the affirmative gesture, so that's all you should have to do. They moved the volume buttons to the top edge because the pencil takes up the whole side. And they introduced a feature here which I don't know why it's only on the iPad mini because it could be on every iPad, they're all the same. Where the the volume buttons are contextually aware of rotation so up is up and down is down depending on which is facing up and which is facing down for volume Mm -hmm. rather than it being the up and down volume buttons are always the same buttons no matter what orientation you have the ipad in 
It's very clever. That said, this like is the it. most. Ver- this is the. I know Apple always has thought that iPads were vertical and that horizontal was, um, lesser, mm-hmm. which is weird because I always use my iPad in horizontal orientation. Um, this is a very vertical iPad. I feel like this is like the most vertical iPad ever. <laughs> the most. I mean, they made it more vertical than the one it ca- that came before it, right? Like it actually became a little bit taller. This is the most vertical. This is the most portrait iPad. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, I, I actually like this. I don't. I think they should bring this to every iPad. I think it's smart because I never think about what's up and down for volume on this one. Right. It just is always correct, which mm-hmm. I kind of like. Talking about the uh, portraitness of it, very easy to to type there uh, in landscape. If you bring up the software keyboard, you lose oh, yeah. the, basically the whole display. Yep. Which is interesting because this is the only one that Apple doesn't sell with a keyboard, which I understand right. why they don't. But it's funny for that reason of like, it's maybe the one that most needs a keyboard. Um, so I have been using the split and floating keyboards a lot. Right, which are in there. Yeah. And again, the the the, the split keyboard works great on this one because then you're back to thumb typing again. Mm-hmm. And I definitely recommend, and I, I put a picture in my review about this, but like, Either get a keyboard that's got like a little case that is a place where you can set it or use the smart folio to do it or get a little like a little stand. It doesn't even need to be an iPad stand. It could be like any like a little art stand. Um, I got a thing that's that came with my desk set, like my pen holder and like it came with my desk when I bought my desk. It was a throw in. And one of the items in this six piece bamboo office desk stuff was a, um, a phone holder which I always thought was so weird. Like, why do you need a phone? But it fits that iPad mini. And I just use that and a random Bluetooth keyboard. And I put it in vertical mode and I wrote my entire iPad OS 15 story for six colors Mm. on it. Um, So the point is, um, I don't think, and somebody will probably make something that's like a case that also is a keyboard for the iPad mini. Mm -hmm. Don't buy it. Um, the iPad mini is too small to have a decent sized keyboard on it. So get a keyboard um, that you can, or or if you already have a keyboard, just get a Bluetooth keyboard that uh, you can take with you and either a case that lets you put it up, prop it up, or like a little stand. And that's how you write on the iPad mini. And and you bring that stuff with you. And it's, it's you know, you can get a tiny, thin, uh, light keyboard and throw it in a bag and have it at the ready. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, and also like, Bluetooth will work, and because it has USB-C on it, you can plug in any keyboard with a USB-C cable. Yeah, also and true. Also you can literally just plug in any any uh, USB-C keyboard. I, I really uh, enjoyed writing in vertical orientation, uh, just because the screen's so small, and that was a better... I mean, I like writing in vertical anyway, but on the iPad mini, I felt like it was, it was a really good fit. And if you use a USB keyboard, then you have to have it have the the port on top and then you have to stare at the cord coming out the top of the ipad which is like a a little thing but it's weird so yeah anyway that's my that's my i think this is actually a pretty great little portable writing tool um but you know it's not something where you can turn it into a little teeny tiny laptop without a keyboard that's bad so find a you know, like something I was using, I actually tried the um, Studio Neat Canvas with it, which is like an Apple Magic keyboard canopy. in a little protective case. Canopy, that's right. And you you snap it back and you put the iPad in it and then you've got a thing that's kind of like a laptop, but kind of not. You use it on a tabletop, like lots of options out there. Choose your favorite or just find a keyboard you got laying around. That's all you really need. Mm-hmm. 
So this thing has a version of the A15 in it. We spoke about that last time, that it is a binned version. So it's it's uh, has less GPU cores and a slower CPU than the phone. But you really put that thing through the ringer for your review, didn't you? Yeah, so the A15 on the iPad mini is is a lower clock speed. So it, it scores essentially the same as the iPad Air, which is an A14, other than the GPU is a little bit better because it's got the five GPUs that the iPhone 13 doesn't have, but the 13 Pro has. Oh, it has the five. Sorry, it has more than the regular phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it they, they lowered the clock speed but didn't throw out a GPU core, yes. essentially. Um, uh, bottom line is, whether it's A14 or A15 performance, iPad Air, iPad Mini, the point I wanted to make, and I did, I edited a podcast on it with the Apple Pencil. I needed to do it in vertical orientation because, again, it's a very small screen and I needed <laughs> to see all my tracks. But I did that. I did the uh, incomparable or the uh, the Relay FM Balderdash uh, bonus yep. episode that's in the departures feed on Relay.fm. Uh, I did that on entirely on uh, the iPad Mini with the Apple Pencil in, in Ferrite Recording Studio. It worked great. I did, I wrote an article. Like, I did all the things that I would do on my iPad Pro, and all I can report is that it did them all fine. Like, it, it, it literally, these, the Air and the Mini are full-featured, and the iPad line has been so overpowered for the last few years that while it doesn't have M1 power... It has all the power it needs, essentially, to do whatever you want. So the screen may be small, but the uh, capability is not limited. It, it pretty much will do whatever you throw at it. I, this is it, right? Like this thing uh, will handle mightily more than you would probably want to do on it in most cases. Because like yes, editing a podcast in uh, portrait mode on an iPad mini is the worst and best way to do that, right? Because you want to have it in landscape so you can see what's coming in the audio. But if you don't, but if you put it in landscape, you then can't see all the tracks, right? So it's like, ah, this kind of kind of isn't a great way to do this. But if you want to do anything, the A15 will run on it. But hey-ho. Yeah, and it's much faster than the iPad mini from, you know, 2019. That, that much is certain. Definitely. Uh, it has 5G too, which is... Yeah, if you buy the cellular model, which again is gonna, you're gonna pay extra for that, and you're probably gonna get the one that's not the base model. And at that point, it's a much more expensive product. Uh, but it does have 5G support. It does not support millimeter uh, wave though. So the version of 5G that's kind of like a hotspot where you can get two gigs of internet and it's mind-bogglingly fast. Uh, that version is not supported. It, it won't do that. It's just the regular old kind of like 5G connectivity thing. Yep, which is all you can get here anyway, so we don't have millimeter yep. wave. Yeah. Uh, charger in the box. I was surprised about There's a charger in the box. Um, wasn't expecting that. Uh, speakers sound good. They're pretty loud. I don't know if you had much time. Maybe were you editing with headphones on or were you using the speaker? I was using the speakers and they were fine, except that I discovered that in vertical orientation, I was editing with the bottom speaker uh, pressed <laughs> against my body and that didn't work, but the top speaker was making the noise, so it was fine. And I readjusted a little bit to, so I could get both speakers to play. Uh, just as once again, just because I just, you know, we're big fans here on the upgrade program, yay for center stage. Just, just happy that it's there. Gotta be everywhere. Glad it's there. Works great. Yep. 
should be everywhere. everywhere. Glad they put it on this pro that that's so to temper my disappointment with the color story, at least they got the center stage story right. That's mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do. That should just be everywhere. Put that thing and everywhere. USB C of course, just because even mm-hmm. just for charging, I, I would prefer it. Uh, because I have more USB charges, USB C charges in my house than lightning at this point because mm-hmm. I have so many devices that charge via USB C. So to round this part out, who is the iPad mini for? Who is this iPad mini for? What I said at the beginning is what I mean here, which is it fills a whole bunch of different needs. And and that means that it's not going to be Apple's highest profile product. They're not going to prioritize it, right? None of that is going to be true, but they keep it around. So when Apple says, oh, well, you know, pilots like it because it's small, like that's the story of every use case for the Mac or the iPad mini, like the Mac mini. It, it's... Uh, it fits in a small space or it's for kids or it's for somebody who wants the most, uh, the, you know, the smallest thing possible. It's for people who want, you know, say, oh, I don't really want a, an ebook reader, but uh, an iPad could make a good reader for, for ebooks and other stuff like, but I don't want to do complicated stuff with it. I just want to do this. I mean, that's literally what the base model iPad mini is for is doesn't have a lot of storage, doesn't need a lot of storage. It's going to do what you want, which is that pretty... Uh, basic stuff other than the fact that i mean really it's essentially an ipad air with a small screen mm-hmm. and so the screen you're trading screen size for a small physical device and it is you know that screen is small so you're gonna have to crank up you're either gonna need good eyes or you're gonna need to crank up the tech size on it but other than that like it's for anybody who wants a small ipad um, and I think especially it'll do anything. So it really is like no compromises, just tiny. So do you, do you, is this the one that fits in your life? Because it fits where other iPads don't by definition. Mm-hmm. I think for right now, like this would be my top pick for somebody who wants an iPad for all of the things an iPad can do that aren't work. Because it's like so small, but it still does everything really great. Like it's great size for video, great for reading. I think probably the best one for reading because you can, it's so thin and light. Yeah, for sure. But my only caveat with this is it's great right now because of its specs and design right now. I don't know how long this iPad mini is going to be this exact iPad mini. The iPad mini has had such a strange life, you know, where it's gone from being like the darling to like swept under a rug for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's possible to guess at this point what Apple's plans are for the iPad mini for the next five years. If I had to put money on it, I would be that they will update this iPad mini in two and a half years and do nothing but put a new processor in it. And mm-hmm. that this is going to be the same for five years. And at the end of five years, everybody's going to be like, oh, that iPad mini still looks like it did in 2021. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature of it. But if you buy one of these, you know, Apple's not going to come and take it away from you. So no. it's yours to do. And it is so powerful. Again, because it's the iPad be line fine has been so overpowered time. for so long. Yeah. It is going to do anything you want to do with it for years. It, it really is because it does more. Um, even if you push it, like you're like, I'm going to buy this and do video editing. I'm like, all right, well, that you're pushing it then. That's a little bit more. But like for most people, it's going to have enough power to serve them for many years, really many, many years. Because even the one that was before it, you could still get stuff done on it and you would still do most of the things you wanted it to do. It was just 
old. I will give a piece of advice to people who are going to plan on using this as a reader, which is embrace focus mode, because I think the biggest virtue of something, well, I love the e-ink screen on the Kindle or a Kobo. I love e-ink screens. Problem is that the e-ink readers are not multitaskers, the unitaskers. They're really only good at reading books. And I'm testing actually an Android tablet that's an e-ink tablet that will Hmm. run apps and stuff. And honestly, all it's done is reinforce the fact that that purpose-built unitaskers are better (laughs) because... You know, an e-ink screen is not uh, an LCD screen, and it does not have. It's anyway, it's complicated. Um, there are things about that that device that are are fascinating to me. But like, what it really makes me want again is that a Kindle or a Kobo just have apps on them that are designed for them, because apps for phones are for phones. My point here is, if you get an iPad Mini to be your reader, that's great. Use focus modes. Because I think the best, other than the screen, the best thing about a Kindle or a Kobo is that you aren't being interrupted by a text message. You aren't being interrupted by a push notification from a news app. You aren't being interrupted by a mention on Twitter or anything like that. They don't have any concept of that. They really make you focus on what you're reading. And now with iOS 15, you have focus mode. And and so... I would just recommend like the reading experience is vastly improved by not having or leave it and just do not disturb all the time if you really want to. But like, don't be interrupted, because I think that it really degrades the whole reading experience to be constantly interrupted, which I am on my iPad and I am on my iPhone. So uh, now that we have focus mode, you could set that up and use it. And I think that would make this a much better reader. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by our friends over at Smile, and I want to talk to you about one of their wonderful products. My One of my very favorites uh, of apps on my Mac is Text Expander, because Text Expander removes the repetition from my daily work, allowing me to focus on what matters most, and it can do it for you, too. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember that right thing to say. Something I also have Text Expander do is you, know, you get a lot of products or services that they format their like the name of their company in interesting ways, you know, like maybe capital letters in certain places, like camel case. You know, like you think it's two words, but it's actually one word, and you've got a couple of capital letters in the middle. Uh, you can have text expanded just replace that stuff. So every time you do it wrong, does it corrects it for you? So like for example, I have iPad Mini as one of those because the M in the Mini is not capitalized. So if I type iPad Mini with a capital, it decapitalizes the M in the Mini. You can set all that stuff up very easy. Because when you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than a script or a template because a Text Expander snippet allows you to maximize your time by getting rid of repetitive things that you type while customizing and personalizing your messages. You can still add in as much uh, information as you want to a Text Expander snippet. They can pull up these little fields and you can select from pre-selected things or you can just type in some text and still allow you to personalize it while still having like you know everything else being uh, pre-written for you. It's awesome. Text Expander it can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere that you type, so you can take back your time and increase your productivity. As a listener of Upgrade, you can get 20% off your first year just by going to textexpander.com slash podcast, where you can learn more about TextExpander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. A thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time to talk about the iPhone 13. So I have just an iPhone 13 Pro Max. You have all of them? I do. I have all of them. Big money Jason over here. <laughs> well, 
no, you know, <laughs> a, a very Jason, nice Rob company Apple store <laughs> sends me <laughs> iPhones every year. Can you give me a rundown of the models and colors that you have? I have a, I guess they're calling it midnight, a black iPhone 12 mini. It's got a little bit of blue in it, right? I actually do think that, that the midnight on the regular phone looks really nice. I actually do like that color. So I have a black iPhone 12 mini <laughs> and a midnight iPhone 13 mini. They look exactly the same. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Maybe I just like the black then. Who knows? I have a... Is it silver or starlight on the twelve? I think it's starlight. Silver is silver is on the pro. The, the only the only thing they added to the pro was Sierra Blue. The rest of the colors are the same names as before: graphite, I silver, see. and gold. Star, it's a professional uh, starlight. Professional. Starlight. Wait, are you saying twelve or thirteen? The Discord's saying a lot of things. What are we 13. talking about on the thirteen? We're talking about the thirteen. Right. I was just comparing the iPhone twelve mini to the iPhone. Uh, 13 mini yeah and their their blacks are the same and i can't mm-hmm. tell the difference mm-hmm. and that's just how it is and uh get used to it mm-hmm. um so okay starlight i guess is what this 13 is um i have a gold iphone 13 pro and i have a sierra blue iphone 13 pro max okay so at least you got one bright color which is the gold one because the gold one's the best one uh i think Obviously, my mm-hmm. personal opinion. Yep. Pop that right in a case. I have seen the Sierra because Adina got a Sierra. It's fine. Like, it's a blue. Uh, it's a blue. Uh, it's me, Chris Pratt over here. Um, I don't know. It's like... I am... I love I love blue. <laughs> blue is one of my favorite colors. Mm-hmm. It's li- In my life, it's been my favorite color. Orange is coming on strong, but blue, always there. Love blue. I'm super disappointed with Sierra Blue. It's not blue enough. It's it's. I feel like it is once again gray with a little blue in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is. It is blue. You can't. And deny that's not it. even an anodization thing, right? And yet, in certain light, it's blue, and in other light, it, it, it like in lower light, it's just a very gray. I I don't know. I was disappointed because I was like, yeah, blue phone, and it's not midnight blue where it's so black it you can't even tell that it's blue. It's a real no. I was I was disappointed by it. It, it is once again it is Apple's color conservatism <laughs> coming out where I, not every phone has to be muted, right? Like you can make some that are not, but this Sierra blue is only stunning. If you consider the grand sweep of the color palette of Apple's conservative color choices, and in fact, I would I would agree with you. Um, if you want a, a a phone that is stunning, that like shouts out, "Look at me!" You get the gold one because the sides of the gold one are super shiny and gold and beautiful. Although even then, the back of the gold one's kind of muted and it is, but mm. I I like it enough. You know, because really, for me, the only thing I like about the gold is all the gold. So the gold on the camera, the gold on the sides, right? And then the back of it, they could do whatever they want with it. I actually don't want the back to look gold, honestly. Like I don't, because that would be too much, well, right? Great. Like it doesn't. So it for me, it's kind of like it is a like a very like yellowy hue, right? Which works yeah. for me because I actually find it. For honestly, like one of the things that I think is different about the gold is that. 
It gives you the just the right amount of gold, I think, before it being too much. And then the back color is much more of a good like companion to the gold part. Where all yeah. of the other colors, it feels like they're trying to match it. And I don't think it works. So, I mean, I'm this continues my disappointment with the iPhone 12 Pro, which is I don't like the design as much as I like the the base model 12, and I don't like the 13 Pro as much as I like the base model 13 in terms of the design. I prefer the shiny back to the matte back. Okay. Um, I think that I prefer the aluminum sides to the, the shiny stainless steel sides. Right. I feel like they 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 chose these two phones to be kind of mirror, you know, like opposites of each other. And I think the other way is better. The low end choice actually right. looks better. By the way, I have to say, uh, I I take it all back about my iPhone 13. Apple trolled me on my iPhone 13. Okay. It's pink. Oh. It's pink, and I can't see it. So you thought you had starlight, but you have pink. No, I, I, well, I couldn't remember. And now I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, right, it's pink. The back looks completely white to me because I'm colorblind. <laughs> and the, the aluminum sides really pretty much look silver to me. But I have confirmed with independent experts within my house that it is a pink phone. Okay. I wouldn't know. So thanks, Apple. Um, fortunately, they sent along a, a silicone case that makes it like extra pink. So I mean, on their pink. website, the pink one looks very pink. But th- but to be honest, all on Apple's website, all of the colors look more than they are. I can't judge how very pink it is, but I will say that I can see some pink, but it needs to be very pink. If I can't tell that it's pink, it's not very pink. It's subtly pink, and I can't see it. It looks white to me, so it is subtle. It doesn't even look gray. It looks white, so it is very subtle. Uh, which is the story? I mean, I, I, we talked about colors with the iPad Mini. I'm going to say it here too. I'm really disappointed. Apple feels it feels to me like they took a step back with the colors of the iPhones. There are fewer options on the 13s. Uh, the blue one is still kind of a bold color, but like, where are the bolder colors for the fun 13s? There's the red and the blue. The red doesn't count. I feel like I product red doesn't count because like it's not it really good. Their red. You know, I feel like it's a it's a when it comes to like being a color, it's kind of like a cop out that Apple didn't actually really choose the color. They just support the charity, which is cool that they continue to do it. We we established, but, I think, last time that there there's more than one color that's allowed for product red, and they chose this color. But it's a bright, at least it's a bright bold color, mm-hmm. and the blue is a a pretty good color. But like I don't know. I, again, I not to. It's an incredible piece of technology, and I'm complaining about the colors, but like I still am a little right. bit baffled because our iPhones thing, are right? kind of a place to yes, a place to express our personality. And while I I absolutely endorse, as we did with the iMac, you need to have silver. You need to endorse. Uh, you need to not force somebody to have like a bright shiny color thing. You need to give them options. But uh, I wish there were also options that were more fun. And I'm disappointed in the, in the limitations of these. Uh, of these phones that said you know there there are some options but i just like they made the big deal about how fun the purple phone was and there's no purple phone i don't i don't get it i don't get it so by and large the design of this phone the industrial design is the same as last year which was expected it's the same the the camera bump is is different and bigger, bigger but um the other otherwise the industrial design choices of last time are the same other than the color choices being limited and um and you know I like the design of the 13 more than the 13 Pro, just like yep. I did with the 12 and the 12 Pro. No I can't help but laugh about uh, laugh with regards to uh, iPhone 13 Pro cases and like case users now have a bump too, which I think is hilarious. 
Uh, yeah. Because I'm not and I've, I'm not a case user anymore. I moved away from case life, and I deal with the bump on my phone, right? And it's like, oh, you just put a case on your phone, it gets rid of the bump. Uh, not anymore. It's got a bigger bump. <laughs> it just yeah, it's, got like a, it's almost like a protective bump now, I think, yeah. that they're doing there. Which makes sense because... Otherwise, the lenses would just be protruding from the case. But it is just funny. Uh, the camera bump is big, but like I'm immediately used to it. It's just like whatever. But I do think like I can't. I mean, you can say this now. I just can't imagine it getting bigger. I don't know. We'll I see. mean, don't say we'll that. See. Yeah, because it's gonna. <laughs> I mean, it will. I know it will, but I can't imagine it. Uh, can you feel any weight difference? It's hard for me because I have the two. I, I've been using a mini. I mean, I immediately felt it. I took it out of the box and I was like, oh, I know, I can tell. Like, They all seem huge tell. and heavy to me. But yes, yep. it, it feels, uh, yeah, they all seem huge and heavy to me. Uh, I did the device-to-device transfer thing this time. How'd that go? It took a few hours. It took like two and a half hours, which is fine because I was setting up my iPad mini, so I was, I was all good. And it went mostly okay. So the main benefit of doing this is that I didn't have to download all my photos again, right? And I have like a hundred and something gigabytes of photos on my device. And most of my applications were already logged in for me. There were a few that I still had to log back into, but by and large, most applications were, I was already logged into. And that's like big thumbs up. That's why I would do it. It was great. I did get no notifications for 12 hours, which was very strange. I have no idea if this was related to the device-to-device transfer, but my old phone was getting notifications, and the new one wasn't until the next morning. And the only other thing that went wrong for me is I had to manually transfer my watch. It didn't do that automatically, and it should with this. And I am also one of the people, I don't think this is related, but I am one of the people that is... Uh, affected by a, a bug that Apple has addressed and will apparently fix is that face unlock with the watch isn't working for me right now. So I try and turn it on and uh, it just fails. So yeah, that's a known thing that this apparently is a known happened. Issue. Yeah, which is a shame, but I don't know what it is that causes it. It feels like it's actually pretty inconsistent. Like I know people that did the device to device transfer and it was fine. And I know like I, I it feels like this is a pretty random thing, but like there's some set of circumstances which makes it feel like it's random. But I would say overall, like I actually kind of liked this way of doing it. It's it's nice and clear. You get a bit of customization to it as well. You can you can choose some things you do want to transfer over and some not. Um, and really, all it is you have to just wait a little bit. Uh, but by and large, it worked fine. Adina's was a little bit different. Like hers worked and her phone was working, but then the old one still said it was transferring for a long time, but it was done. So I don't. The old phone kind of got stuck. But the old, if the old phone's stuck, whatever, you want to play with a new one. But I think I'll do this. Because, you know, iCloud, the thing, the, the iCloud backup, you get into the phone faster, but then you're dealing with everything downloading. And depending on the time of the day when you are doing that, you can be in a real bad mess because stuff's downloading, you know? And I still had a bunch of apps that were downloading from the store, but it wasn't as many, and I didn't have to sync a bunch of data, which mm-hmm. is the thing that takes that the, the time, right? That most of like the large chunks of data that was already done. So, you know, the only thing it didn't transfer over for me at all were test flight apps, which I, I hoped yeah. it would do. I had to re-download and sign into all of those. So I had to sign into Slack and stuff again. I did an iCloud backup restore. Okay. Which now it it offers it basically looks at your iPhone that's there that is the iPhone backup and says let me do a backup right now, 
so that I can be completely exactly where this phone is right now, which I think it didn't used to do. Maybe it did that last year, but it's it used to be like, is this a recent backup or not? And now like the iPhone just says, let me back up. Uh, let me run a backup run right now so that it's completely exactly what this phone is. And then I did a restore. And the nice thing about the restore is that it, it comes back to life fairly quickly, but then it's sitting there in the background restoring a bunch of stuff. And the difference is, yes, there's different stuff that gets that remains logged in with one process versus mm-hmm. another. Like, I think I got all my test flight apps back, but I needed to re-log in to... Oh, let's see. Do I need to re-log into Slack? I think I did. I mean, I had to because Slack wasn't installed. <laughs> but oh, I don't. Well. if I would have had Slack installed from the App Store, it probably would have worked. So I think what I would do next time is I would just install the App Store versions of a bunch of apps, do the device-to-device transfer, then go back to test flight. And then, then I, would, I would probably get what I needed because then everything stays installed if you switch between one or the other. But it it was fine. What I'll say is it was fine. It worked as I wanted it to. And as we've noted many times on the show, that isn't always the case. Like I had issues, but I expected to have some. And the issues that I have weren't that bad. Um, because, you know, man- manually transferring the watch doesn't really do anything. I don't lose anything. Like the, the, the watch transfer thing is actually very simple because it does this weird thing. I don't know what it's doing, but it moves from one to the other. It does like a backup and moves it over to the other device and it's and it works fine. And now it's paired to the other watch, other phone, no issue. So really, I didn't expect it to be perfect It, it and it did most of the job right and I had, in some ways, a better experience than I usually do because I don't have to spend the next two hours with one password open. Yep, it makes sense. I, I Again, go back to what we said many years ago about the iPhone upgrade process. It's a lot less painful than it used to be. It, 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 they've done a lot of work here, and I migrated four phones last week, right? Whoa. So, so it's better. It's a lot yeah. better than than it used to be. So I feel pretty vindicated in my prediction about promotion. I've been saying promotion was going to be the thing for me. Like I, I was very confident it was going to be the best feature on this new phone, and for me, it is the best feature on this new phone. It looks so good. Uh, what do you think of promotion before I wax lyrical about it for a bit? I fear that I am going to be a a dissenter about promotion. Okay. I've been using promotion for since it it came out on the iPad Pro, right? Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely um understand it and I like it. And I look at it on the iPhone 13 Pro and I can tell that it's there. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's smooth. All the animations are smoother. The scrolling is smoother. Um, I think the biggest point to it is that the that the text is still readable while you're scrolling, right? In a way that it was maybe less readable while you were busily scrolling. Um, animations, you definitely can see it. Uh, when you flick from the bottom to go back to the home screen, like that's all just much smoother. It's nice. That said, I don't pick up an iPhone 13 or 12 and go, ick, this is only 60 frames a second. I wish I had ProMotion. And so for me, what I have to say is, 
it's a nice thing. And I look forward to it coming to all phones. I would not buy a phone just because it had ProMotion. I don't think it's that important. Cool. We feel opposite. Uh, I think it's friggin' amazing, and I am completely sold, and I would never go back. I absolutely adore it. Let me bring in the clincher. Mike, I uh-huh. bought an iPhone 13 mini. Uh, we need to get to that in a minute. You've got, we, mm-hmm. Okay, we've got to get through all of this, and then I can, we can come back to the mini part. Cause... I have, well, I mean, the point is I have, I, have, uh, I have seen, I have been tempted by ProMotion and uh, the other features of the Pro phones, and I've decided that I like my life pretty much the way it is, so I bought a 13 mini. We will come back to that at the end. Because we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about, and we can come back to it. But anyway, the display uh, I think is amazing. It feels so much more noticeable to me uh, than on the iPad, like in apps in the OS. I think everything feels faster and more responsive, and just overall more nice to look at. Um, I this is for me the like the for me the reason to upgrade. Like if somebody said to me, "Hey, why would I upgrade to this?" I would say to them for the promotion display, like because I love it. And there are, there's a scale. Like Stephen. Can't stand it. Turns it off, right? It's never like promotion. And then Jason's kind of like, yeah, take it or leave it. And I'm like, it's the reason to buy the phone. Um, And I think that it is going to be a personal taste thing. I don't think it's going to be the same as Retina in that way. Like Retina was just like, you you try it and you can't go back. But I do think it has a similar thing as Retina. You have to experience it to know what is different. I agree. And it is superior. I guess my point is, and I feel this way more on the iPhone than I did on the iPad. Um, I will say you see it more in the Pro Max because it's just more. And you see it more on the iPad because there's more pixels that are moving. And I wonder if that's part of it too. But what what I'm saying is not that it isn't a thing because it is a thing and it is really nice. I guess what I'm saying is when I use a non... Because I've done this for the last week. I've gone back and forth between all these various models. And the difference for me is that I am not, it's not like Retina, where you go to a non-Retina Mac and you think, oh no, this is terrible. It's not like that. And honestly, when I was using the iPad mini, I didn't even think, oh no, no promotion, right? Like, I didn't think that. It's Mm. fine. And then you see the promotion and you're like, oh, that is nice. That is nice. It is definitely nice. I guess what I'm saying is when I use a non-promotion phone, I don't miss it. I, I just don't miss it. It's 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 nicer when it's there, but I don't miss it when it's not there. And I feel like you, I mean, if if you care about it, that's great. It's another another little uh, brick in the wall, another reason to get a pro phone. But I feel like the camera is a much better reason to get the pro phone than uh, than ProMotion. But it but it's a good feature. It, it's undeniably a beautiful thing to see that stuff scrolling by at 120 frames per second. Um, but I don't miss it when it's not there. There are some bugs with uh, with with ProMotion um, on the iPhone 13. Apple have addressed them. One is going to be fixed, and another is kind of like an, an I think it's a bug, it's like an unexpected thing, where developers sometimes have to uh, make a p list, uh, amend their p list. I don't know how to say the right phrase, p list entry. Uh, to say that they want to be able to take advantage of 120 hertz at all times rather than just when the device is right. saying, hey, do it. So uh, I did also note that low power mode locks the uh, promotion to 60 hertz maximum. Mm. That makes sense. I will say, if you're, there's a use case thing here too. 
if you're somebody who is a scroller, hello, <laughs> which I mean, like you are reading content as it scroll, you sort of scroll scroll slowly and read the content as it scrolls by, you want promotion because it makes the readability of scrolled text so much scrolling text so much better. If you're somebody who doesn't do that, who reads a page, if you're a pager and not a scroller, it doesn't really matter to you. That may be a, a, a simple use case difference. It's like if you're trying to get content while you're kind of slowly scrolling along in Twitter or whatever, this is going to be a way superior experience. Let's talk about the camera. What do you think of cinematic mode? This is the mode that Apple, I guess, this is the thing in the cameras Apple seems to care about the most. Yeah. Do you? I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I feel about it a little bit like I feel about portrait mode. <laughs> they are, you know, cousins. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it looks fun. I think you you take videos in it and they look different and you show them to people and they're like, oh, look at that. That looks that looks so different. Look at the like I, I shot a video of my dog on a, on a path out in the woods and I showed it to my wife after we got home and she was there. But like I showed her the video and she's like, oh, look, the background's all blurry. That's really nice. Like that's what cinematic mode is. It is a mode for regular people to shoot videos that feel more cinematic and you couple it with the amazing amazing stability stuff that Apple does that they've been improving over the last few years. And, you know, I'm walking along on a trail with my dog and it looks like I got a steady cam. It's bananas how good the stability stuff is. And then you throw in the, the, the soft focus background kind of stuff. And it's like, wow, this is so movie like it's just, uh, it's just a huge fun feature for regular people. Um, I'm frustrated that Apple talks about professionals. Because um, it's not like portrait mode. It's like, it's not good enough for professionals. It's, I, I saw like, it's, yeah, everything gets fuzzy. The glasses on the top of somebody's head are fuzzed out. The dog's, uh, sides of the dog's face are fuzzed out weirdly. There are places that are in focus and then other places that are the same distance that are not in focus and it's confusing. Like, if you're going to break it down and care about the level of professional quality, whatever, it falls apart and I wish Apple would stop making it about we talked to a professional cinematographer and here's a movie we shot and made it much more about here are home movies that look cool because that's what it's for. And I think Apple's mismessaging this and I don't know why uh, I think other than putting it in a pro context because it's a pro phone, but like, I don't think this is a pro feature. It's a fun feature for regular people and it's, it's really fun. It looks amazing and it's fun and you can overlook all of the limitations of it because it doesn't matter the only question is is it fun and if it and it passes that test it is fun they look great i think it's like a very fun feature right i just this is the thing i keep coming back to too it's like this is very fun i have enjoyed playing around with it i feel like it will only get better like portrait mode did right this is sure. the portrait mode of video it's the same yeah. kind of technology for me, the killer feature is that you can edit it after the fact. Sure. And that's fascinating because they actually have to put like little keyframes in and have you yep. adjust. And like there's a whole interface there that they've built in that I have to add to my book about the Photos app <laughs> because it's a new feature. Uh, but they are giving you that kind of control over it, which also means that if you have part of it that uh, you don't like, you can change it. Um, I think that's important because if, if you're using this feature for a precious moment in your life and the feature screws it up, you can fix it 
I think that's why it's the most important. I don't think this is the kind of feature where uh, regular people just shoot it and use it, and then the pros will come in and tweak it and make it perfect. Because I don't think, it can, again, it can't really be made perfect. Um, but I do like that you can fall back. If it did something that's not quite right, you can fix it. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to have a feature like this and then shoot your kid's birthday party and have it get messed up and be like, oh, I can never use that video because the, the the experimental you know cinematic mode feature focused on the wrong thing. So I like that it's there so you can rescue stuff that um, that doesn't look right. And it just makes it as well that like I don't have to... So here's the thing that I would say makes me feel like a professional using it. I don't have to be smart enough to catch everything when I'm immediately shooting, but I can fix it in the edit bay. And that feels like a professional thing to me from where I come from, right? Of like, we can do what we're doing here. Something can go wrong. I can fix it later. Yeah, sure. So that comes from my world of being a professional. I mean, this is probably not, I mean, it's definitely not how professional video works, right? Like you can't change the focus afterwards. That's why it's a prosumer feature to yeah. use that that buzzword is it's it giving you a pro kind of vibe for something that a pro would never use, but you mm -hmm are using like and a then i get to of. look like oh look at this cool thing that i did you know and, it's and cool. it looks cool right like i, like I mean it. that's the, the it it really does like that's that's the bottom line is that it's a super fun feature and it is only going to get better and i feel this 1.0 i feel more positive towards than portrait mode like i like portrait yeah. mode but it took a while really to get good or but even that you know anyway. it feels it feels similar it's got it's got problems yeah but it's fun like uh, it's got problems but it's fun like i take portrait mode pictures all the time because they're fun mm -hmm. um and i'm aware of the failures and i know that i could turn it off if i don't like it <laughs> but uh but it is fun and this is i'd say this is more dramatic because we are all so well versed as 21st century people in visual reading visual media reading what a movie frame composition is and that's what this feature is playing on and it just gives you that extra little vibe of it while you're watching it like oh it's like oh it, it's literally i just took a, do a a video of my dog out in the out on a trail but now the background is blurred out and she stays in focus and it's like oh my god it, it's like it shouldn't be that cool but it is because of cinematic mode that's the whole point of it uh, Tyler Stallman had a great video on YouTube because uh, he is a professional and he talks about it and he's pretty excited about it too. And because he's a professional, what he shoots with it is very beautiful. Plus he's, he shot it in Hawaii. So I'm going to put a link in the show uh -huh. notes to this. He explains it and goes through it and has some really great examples of what you can do with this mode. Um, so if people want to see it, they can. It's better than me just shooting things on my desk, right? Which I could also do, but it's not as exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the macro mode. I wanted this for ages, and I'm really happy that they uh -huh. that they put it in there. Um, this is also something that Apple said they're going to improve because currently, right now, it's like automatically switches, and they're going to add the ability for you to manually turn it on and off. I believe so. Yeah, I think uh, that's I think the right. Good. I think that's the right call there. Yeah, the macro yeah. mode is really fun, um, and you can get. Uh, you're going to take a lot of pictures of keyboards with it, right? I've been right? taking, I've already taken do? pictures of like keycaps and all that kind of stuff, which is one of the things I would want. Like, you know, I have these like really cool Pokemon artisan keycaps and I've wanted to be able to take pictures of them, but I can't get it to look the way that I want. And I already did it with the macro mode. 
because you can get really close up to stuff and take really good looking photos. Like I think it's awesome. I'm very pleased with it. And the photo styles thing. So this is something that we've been talking about, I think, quite a bit last time because I'm pretty uh, pumped about it. But the thing that I wanted to just mention, because I've I've only tinkered with it a little bit right now, I feel like this is something I'm going to need more time with because uh, Ian in the Discord reminded me, obviously you do macro video too, which is even better for keyboard stuff. So I'll be doing a lot of that. Mm. I've forgotten about macro video. It didn't even cross my mind I could do that. Um, But the... I, I, the photographic styles thing where you can, uh, you makes me sound like it's a person. Photo styles sounds like a person to uh, me. Uh, but anyway. Terry Styles' brother. Exactly. It's like, hey, it's his photo styles. Mm-hmm. Like and subscribe. Because I, I feel like I need to like spend a bit more time with it and, and take a lot of photos of it and tweak it and stuff, which I'm excited to do. But the thing I was surprised about is when you open the camera app for the first time, it prompts you to try it out. And I would yes. not have expected them to do that. I know, right? All right, check this thing out. I, it's everything we already said about it, which is, is this a pro feature? Well, probably the pros are going to use RAW, but it's a feature that gives you more kind of control over the look of your photos uh, in default mode, non-RAW, burned in. Apple's pipeline is doing magic things, taking multiple shots, putting them all together, making some artistic decisions. And then you can choose a bunch of different artistic decisions about the pipeline and get the photos that you want out. So if every photo you want, you want to be kind of like cool, uh, you can do that. I I am somebody who loves, in the terms of photographic styles, warm, rich photography. Mm. That's what I like. Warm, rich. Is he, related? Is he a friend of photo styles? Warm, warm rich. rich. Warm, rich is photo styles' best friend. Oh. Warm, warm, rich. I don't know what his last name is. They never say it. They just call him Warm Rich. He's always taking off his shirt and stuff because you know he's too warm. Because they do this thing where if you tweak it, because you can you can tweak them, right? Uh, it gives it a new name for you, so you can go in. They have standard, and then you got rich and warm and cool and vibrant. And then if you tweak it, they rename it based yeah. on what it is. So I ended up with Warm Warm Rich. Vibrant warm is where I All am right. right now. So, but I don't know nice. how long it's going to stick around. We'll see. I, I kind of like it though. Um, and it's fairly easy to toggle it on and off, which mm-hmm. is also a nice kind of feature. But the idea, like literally the idea is if, if you can make every photo you shoot more aesthetically pleasing to you, do it. Right. Like, yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I haven't left it on yet cause I haven't decided yet. Uh, but I, this would be something that I play around with. I could imagine wanting to switch depending on what I'm taking a picture of as well. So we'll see. I have no thoughts about battery life yet. Um, yes, well, I'm intrigued because obviously you've, you've you've buried the lead with the mini, or you've already given it away. I can't remember yeah. what the phrase would be. Uh, I'm assuming this has got to be a part of that. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, like again, I haven't. I don't go out of the house that much, but if the mini 12 mini had a problem with battery life, just because it's small with a small battery and now it's got a little bit bigger battery and all of the battery life improvements that Apple has thrown into the 13s. And so the 13 mini undoubtedly has better battery life. I have not tried to um, run down all four phones and see how long they last, uh, but uh, other people have done that. And it seems like Apple's, claims are essentially valid that apple is doing a whole bunch of different stuff here to um extend the battery life of all four of these models and uh that's great 
I know that you know my my battery was already great before, and so just more hours of it is going to be continued. Even to be great. greater, no, mm-hmm. the the Pro Max battery life I can't even imagine. That's the that's all day. That's like all day on a on a long flight battery life. Uh, it has an A15. It's faster. <laughs> yeah, I did some, I did some benchmark tests of it, and the answer is yeah, it's faster. It is actually kind of in line. It's not quite as big a jump as as the previous uh, chip generations have uh, in CPU, but it's not as but it is a jump. And then the GPU is a bigger jump. Obviously, the GPU is is more impressive in the Pro models than the regular models because they have the extra core that's turned on. Uh, but it is it is faster. I think. It, it's it's good in the sense that Apple's chip uh, generations still are progressing from from generation to generation. We are getting a you know whatever it is between ten and twenty percent um, core boost every year. So they keep rolling on with that. But they do seem to have this is a lighter um, update, f- uh, fourteen to fifteen, than kind of the previous generations. But um, it's still progress and presumably this will be the foundation for a whole bunch of Mac chips that are coming next year. So I saw Quinn Nelson say on Twitter that he thinks that this is a bigger update than the 11 was to the 12. And I wonder what you think about that. I don't know. I mean, the 11 has the, had the big um, visual changes to the phone. Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, that's the most important thing is actually what it looks like on the outside. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you care about the cameras and if you care about the display, I could see the argument. I thought it was, I I feel like these are both differently incremental updates, (laughs) but I I think it's the, my disagreement would be, I'm sure he meant it in a very specific way. My disagreement would be that the 11 to 12, I feel like was a physical change, a visual change. I think that's kind of what he was getting at. Um, which is like the biggest thing in the 12 is that it looked different. Yeah. But the 13, I think, is going to have a bigger effect on my usage than the 11 to the 12 did. Because right. you get used to the design really quick. But the things that I like in this, which is, you know, all of the new camera stuff where there's like the camera improvements this year, the camera changes way more than last year. Yeah. Like, you know, across the board, right? There's just so much more well, stuff. Especially if, if you're on the, on the, uh, the difference between the 12 Pro and the 13 Pro, where you're going up from the lesser of the two telephoto lenses, and now both of them are getting that 3X telephoto lens, right? That's a big jump for that. You're not getting that as a Pro Max user, but other people are getting a bigger jump there. But this brings me back around to the post that I wrote on Six Colors, which is the uh, iPhone 13 Upgrader's Guide. Because the fact is, most people aren't buying an iPhone 13 after buying an iPhone 12. They're upgrading from a previous model. So I did a story yeah, last week. this is week. a really cool article. Thank you for mentioning it, because I forgot to bring it up earlier. Is it Literally, I just went back to the iPhone 7 up to the, uh, the 11 and the SE and said, here's what's changed since you got your last phone just to try to give people an idea of like we roll all these upgrades together what does it look like and what that what that told me i did that uh and i had to go through it a few times and i'm sure there's still some mistakes in there but like it's a lot of data that i was trying to collate um and i linked to the apple's comparison pages so you can compare for yourself on specs but um what struck me about it is where the big kind of era shifts have been and obviously the shift to oled the shift in the iphone 10 to OLED, it's a big shift, 
and and getting rid of the home button and doing face ID like a big shift. It also struck me that, you know, the, if you look at it from this vantage point, like from the seven or the eight or the nine, and then you compare it like to what's different in the in the in the ten and the ten S and then the eleven. It is an incremental thing. I see why people don't update every year. <laughs> like it's, it, there are details that get better every single year, but when you sweep three years of changes into one upgrade, mm-hmm. then it's a real upgrade, right? And that's the truth is that's what most people are doing. So, um, that full credit to my friend Monty, who said, you know what I want is a review that tells me what I'm going to get when I upgrade from my iPhone eight, <laughs> and I thought that's a good idea. <laughs> Monty's <laughs> in for that. a good time. So thank you, Monty. Yeah, he got a, he he did get a new phone actually this this cycle. So he inspired this, but he he went ahead and and bought uh, a new iPhone. So uh, congratulations, Monty. Actually, he bought a new iPhone and he has music that's only on his own old iPhone that is not on a computer because he he got he changed computers and that music didn't come and we had to like try to figure out how to extract music off of an iPhone. Oh man, on Windows. Oh man. And I think the end result of that is Monty said, I'm just going to treat my old phone like an iPod that has uh, nostalgic music on it if I want to listen to it. I was like, wow, uh, that works, I guess. So uh, anyway, it's a, if, if you are still thinking of upgrading, it's kind of a fun article that tries to put these year-over-year iterations by Apple in a, in a bigger perspective. So if you're coming from the 7, here's everything that's going to change. And it's a lot. I just want to say this. There's a lot like the rhetoric online right now. This is an S year. This is not. This is more. This is a big. This is. A, it, I think this is big. Like people are just focusing on the visual. I think if the Apple just if Apple like just drop this on us any other time, this is. Well, I think the set of features is fantastic. What they've added. isn't that always the story? I feel like every time there's a visual design uh, year, the next year the visual design doesn't change at all. And Apple does a bunch of improvements under the hood and everybody uh, that there are people who are like, Oh, it's so boring. It's exactly the same. And other people are like, but no, all of the internal changes are interesting. And they have this debate. It, it, it mm-hmm. feels like this is the like visual, time like, visual design <laughs> is important. Right. Cause like I absolutely love the visual design last year and I still love it. Right. Like it was, it was my favorite feature of last year's phone because in my opinion was the only real noticeable feature of last year's phone from the 11 to the 12 was the visual design. Cause Apple was saying massive improvements for the camera. Like what they did last time didn't really change anything. I feel like I could not really tell any difference. Um, but what they've done this time, it's like tangible features that I can use without being like, oh, but if you use raw, then you'll really get, you know, like, no, these are like, these are things that I've added to the camera that me, Mike Hurley can use and enjoy. And the screen is awesome. I think this is a fantastic upgrade. I'm very happy with it. Uh, and I think we'll continue to be more happy with that upgrade as time goes on. So I think it's awesome. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Details Pro, the folk who are on a mission to make Swift UI more accessible. Details Pro is a design tool for Swift UI, so you can design beautiful Swift UI interfaces without writing any code, which just saves you tons of hassle. You don't have to learn Xcode for it. You don't need to set up projects. You don't even need it. You don't. Look, you don't even need a Mac for this, but you can still export to Xcode and Swift Playgrounds as real Swift UI designs. Details Pro is made by a former Apple design prototyper, and it's trusted by designers at Apple, Starbucks, Microsoft, Nike, Porsche, and more. 
and it helps you learn SwiftUI concepts and apply them to beautiful designs so you can create designs in seconds without writing any code, a design with live SwiftUI colors and typography, and export that code to share with developers. Details Pro is available now on iPad, iPhone, and Mac. See? You don't need a Mac. You can use it on your iPad and iPhone. And the app itself is made of SwiftUI. You get five files for free, then it's just $9.99 a year at detailspro.app. Or you can make a $29.99 one-time purchase to get unlimited files and upcoming features like versions, reusable components, map kit maps, and more. Plus, there's free community templates that can be downloaded in-app to learn, remix, and use as starting points and inspiration. Details Pro is beginner-focused, approachable, and easy. So go to detailspro.app to get started today. That's detailspro.app. A thanks to Details Pro for their support of this show and RelayFM. Let's do some hashtag ask upgrade questions to finish out today's episode. Paul asks, this is one of those questions we can't have an answer to, but I do want to talk about it. Why do iPads with Touch ID, uh, like the new Mini, not work with the new Magic Keyboard or Touch ID? Is there a technical limitation or an oversight? So when it says not work, what I'm assuming Paul means is the Touch ID sensor doesn't work because the right. keyboards work. I tried it. Uh, the keyboards do work, but the Touch ID sensor doesn't work. I am assuming it's because it's just all Mac focused, right? Like th- this isn't a thing that will translate because it's like this is a Mac feature. Like this keyboard works with Mac. It does not work with other stuff in the same way that like it only works on M1 Macs. So I think that's right is that this was a priority for M1 Macs and it would require iPad OS work that they didn't prioritize because why it's not made for the iPad. That said, I have a theory. I have a conspiracy theory, Mike. Come come through the looking glass with me. Okay. Come down the rabbit hole. You ready? Yep. What if Apple was thinking of making an iPad that worked better or or updated iPad OS that to work better in a desktop configuration? You know, the much ballyhooed, never to be seen so far idea of letting you plug an iPad into a monitor and use it using a keyboard and a mouse. Uh, as opposed to what it does now where it does screen mirroring, the idea that you'd actually be able to control it in a desktop configuration. That would be a good time to add support for the Touch ID on the Magic Keyboard. But that hasn't happened yet. So that would be a thing that you could say, let's just update that feature later. We don't need to update an iPad OS now because we're not going to support this use case. We'll do it later. Hmm. And I'll throw in there, what if they made a magic keyboard for iPad that had a touch ID sensor on it? I don't know. They maybe they maybe Why? do that too that sometime. Why? What would that be for? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, probably not, right? Because Face ID is better. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that's that's my thought is, I don't see the use case that's enough for them to invest iPad OS resources on it yet. And perhaps there will come a day when they do, because they would have to, I mean, literally they would, I know it sounds like it's the same thing. It's just touch ID, but it's touch ID over Bluetooth and you have to, you have to train it and it's, it's different. It's different on Mac OS and they, they would have to build that feature into iPad OS. And I think they just decided that not enough people are going to use that feature for them to care. Maybe they will care someday. It will probably be tied to some use case that we don't have yet. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it because I think 
It's not going to be now, right? It's going to be sometime in the future they would add this feature because they don't even you can't even buy this keyboard. No, oh, you I can now, can't you? You can, you can. No, you can. You can. Well, no I think th- I. That's why I think the triggering moment is the ability to do external display support because once you can d- do external display support, theoretically, you can put the iPad in a dock or have it not facing your face, and then you need an o- alternate authentication system for it and yeah. you could argue at that point that they want to make the magic keyboard work in that scenario and look it even works with touch id and that would be enough for apple to roll that feature in but not until okay. then maybe yeah i'm just thinking in the long run it's face id on everything though but maybe I would hope so right yeah but then maybe an issue you'd run into is if you were somehow making like if you ever were going to do the um external display support for ipad Face ID wouldn't be optimum then, unless what they're assuming is you would use Apple's monitor, which had Face ID. Which in has it, Face ID. Which yeah. is probably what they would do. And if you we're, didn't want to, well, that's your own problem. We've right? entered a second rabbit hole now. We're, we're so in far so down. many. We're in a Warren yeah. now, Jason. Me and you. That's There's right. like interconnected Sorry, rabbit rabbits. holes everywhere. Get out of here. We're talking. But yeah, I I just think this is one of those things where like for now it's. Even if it could work, it's just like we're not going to spend a ton of time focusing on this for uh, the keyboards, for the iPads. Because really, they only have one iPad that they don't sell a keyboard product for. And I think Apple would prefer to sell you one of the keyboards for iPads. Mm. To answer Paul's question, though, I don't think there's a technical limitation nor do I think this is an oversight. I think, you know, I think they could do it and I think they might do it someday, but they there's just not enough of a use case here right now for them mm-hmm. to care about it. Jay Mush asks, Apple has seen big battery jumps for MacBooks and iPhones. Isn't it time for the iPad to get in on the fun? Hmm. Well, the MacBook thing is unfair, right? Because it's going from Intel to Apple Silicon and the iPad has always had that advantage, which is why the iPad's batteries have always been what they've been. The iPhone, there's probably some battery life help in the A15 that could come to the iPad, but they also put in a bigger battery to make it heavier. Are they going to do that on the iMac or the iPad? Maybe, maybe. I would like to. See, I mean, look, iPads have great battery life, right? But like, why does it just need to always be ten hours? Why can't it be I know. more? I know. Well, I think that's the question. Is is really to rephrase J Mush's question? Um. Is Apple ready to redefine what iPad battery life is and raise their target from 10 hours to something more than that? As somebody who uses an iPad Pro in the Magic Keyboard and and edits podcasts and all sorts of other stuff with my iPad Pro, I can run my iPad Pro battery down pretty fast. I really can. (laughs) A lot faster than 10 hours. (laughs) So I would love more battery life. Um, there is the expense of, of the, the losing the weight thing and having it be thin and light is nice, but, uh, I hope so. I hope Apple, I guess my answer would be, I would love for Apple to say we improved iPad battery life by 1.5 hours or 2.5 hours. Right. I would love to see something like that to start. It doesn't have to be 20 hours of battery life, but I would love to see Apple start pushing that iPad battery life number up, um, every iteration by an hour or two. That would be great. Uh, John asks, what is a good source of making Siri shortcuts? Uh, Or perhaps there's a website with pre-made shortcuts. So John's just getting into shortcuts. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I said series shortcuts. I wish I wouldn't have said that. Now I can never take it back. They're not called that. They're called shortcuts. I shouldn't have just read the question as it was. I would yes. like to apologize to the entire shortcuts community. Uh, I have four sources for you here. The Mac Perfect. Stories Shortcuts Archive, which Federico just updated today, and there's like a billion there now. The Shortcuts subreddit. Uh-huh. Uh, Matthew Castanelli has a Shortcuts um, archive of his own. Uh, and then also the Relay FM podcast Automators, where they have... They talk about all kinds of stuff, but Shortcuts comes up a lot, and you can pick and choose some episodes. So Yep. That's the the great thing is there is a great community for this, um, and it's people that really care and they put a lot of work into it. So uh, you can definitely dive in. And one of my favorite things about some of this stuff, some of the shortcuts are too complicated for me to understand. Like some of the stuff that Federico makes is like, oh yeah, I can't get my head around it, right? But but I love that I have it, but I can't put I can't really learn from it myself. But a lot of stuff, because of the way Shortcuts is made, you can kind of poke around in existing ones and start to learn. And that's how like, I have some knowledge of how to build Shortcuts, just from installing some Shortcuts and poking around and see how they work. I do really like it for that. And I'm very excited for them to come to the Mac. Yeah, it's uh, Shortcuts in iOS 15. It's a little bit of a rough ride. And there are some fixes in, in the new 15.01 beta, but it's still buggy and i think shortcuts on the mac is going to be buggy too uh it's gonna be a rough fall for shortcuts but i think in in the end the future is bright uh and the final question today comes from john if you had to pick a job within apple and it could be any position that you choose from store employee to ceo what would it be wow clearly not colors are because i'm not qualified well, I mean, you really care about it, but you wouldn't be able to do the job effectively enough, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. What Don't would... worry about qualification in general for this question, right? Because we can choose whatever we want, and neither me or you is qualified enough to be the CEO of Apple. But we could take that job if we wanted based on the construct of John's question. Yeah, I would feel bad for Apple. <laughs> well it would be really good but just for people like me and you uh otherwise probably wouldn't be great i know mine by the way like i know okay. what it is worldwide head of product marketing oh you want the uh you I want, want the phil job. and jaws job yeah. yeah yeah schiller and jaws's job the reason is because one i care about marketing stuff anyway it's like i like that i'm interested in that but that job i bet other than tim you're maybe clued into more stuff than anybody else. Because if you are head of product marketing, the way that works at Apple is like multiple things. It's not just the marketing of products, but it also goes into the development of products. It seems like there is like a, it goes in both, they got like feet in both camps. You must know so much stuff in that role, right? Things that's coming, things that's happening now. I feel like that is a real like pull in the strings kind of job. I feel like that'd mm -hmm. be fascinating. I, oh man, uh, so many potential answers here. I'm not qualified to be like John Turnus's job, which is Senior Vice President of Hardware Engineering. But what I'm really trying to get at is it would be an interesting job to really be deep down in the product development world, right? I, I think... I would be much better and much happier making things than promoting things, mm -hmm. right? Like I would be, as a, as a journalist, I would be uncomfortable 
in a role where I was having to speak the party line about a product that I was selling. Right, yeah, I could do it. I didn't. I don't consider well, yeah. myself a journalist, right? I'm like, I consider myself a communicator. So I just yeah, and you sell and you thing. you sell ads, right? Yeah. Like, you, I am not a salesperson, right? Uh-huh. I am not a salesperson, so I don't want Jaws's job. So something where I'm making products would be I mean, the job. Arguably, that I would want. though, you don't want Turnus's job either, then, because John Turner's like a big part of his job is doing that as well. But but it's making the products and then and then selling the products you chose to make. Mm. A little bit different than being mm, just like okay. they hand you a product and say sell this. Yeah, but like, you see, oh, I am okay. also imagining that that my role as worldwide head of product marketing, I do have also a foot in the like creation camp because I believe that like. It, Everything that we, or I have it's heard, all seems to suggest it's right? all interconnected. I mean, of course, there are people in Apple that are just pure marketing. They don't know anything until a week sure. before, you know, whatever. So here's my answer, though. I want Eddie Q's job. I want to have meetings. Uh, I want to make deals. I want to go to Hollywood. All right. I want to, I'm going to get, I'm going to go to NBA games. Is that More part of the job? Shots. I don't know. I'm going to go to NBA games. I'm going to, like, get a boat. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be Eddie Q. That's my job. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be Eddie Q. That's I right. And then, and then you'll get thanked on stage at the Emmys. That's, you know it. Thanks, Eddie Jason. Yep. And T-Dog. And thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to send in a question for us to answer at the end of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord. Uh, which is you will get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you can pay either $5 a month or $50 a year and you will get longer ad-free episodes of Upgrade every single time we publish an episode. If we do an extra episode, you still get an ad-free longer. Mm-hmm. So drafts, right? You get ad-free longer drafts when we do those too. I wonder if, I'm still not sure we're going to have another draft this year. Who knows? It could happen know. at any point. So at there you any go. point. Emergency drafts are the Ugh. most terrifying of drafts. I don't like it. Uh, but thank you if you signed up for Upgrade Plus or if you're considering it. And also thank you to Details Pro, Smile, and Amazon Music for their support of the show. But most of all, thank you for listening and we'll be back next time. If you want to find Jason in the meantime, go to sixcolors.com. He is at jsnell. Uh, Jason hosts a bunch of shows here at Relay FM and at The Incomparable as well. And I am I Mike. I am Y-K-E. Uh, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Mike. <laughs>